The Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and Friends. everyone and welcome along to another episode of the boys of tech new zealand's longest running tech podcast this is episode 164 for monday the 30th of april 2012 my name is edwin herman and joining me on the panel this week is alec doughty welcome along al uh, how you doing i am fantastic how about yourself oh, i'm fine i'm fine doing i'm really good. i'm really tell you what i'm really excited about the first two stories we're going to talk about today. So, in fact, let's take a brief look at what's coming up ahead in the show this week. We look at a Frogger game that uses real-time traffic, and, in fact, we have a guest for that. We'll introduce him shortly. Also, the MIT building has turned into a giant Tetris game. Fantastic once again. And we also look at the top vulnerabilities, according to Trend Micro. That and more coming up very soon. But first of all, I'd like to introduce Tyler D'Angelo, who's a creative director in the daytime. But of course, by night, he's busy building real-time traffic Frogger games, or at least one of them. Welcome to the show, Tyler. Hi, how are you guys doing? Fantastic. Thanks. And Very yourself? Good. I'm, I'm great. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, it's our pleasure. It really is. And I understand you're coming to us live from New York City, right? I am. That's true. Yep. And uh, I'm in, uh, I'm in, actually, I'm actually in, uh, I live in Jersey City, which is about, you can, it's a, it's just a stone's throw over the Hudson River. So I can see New York City and I work in New York City. I live right outside in a, in a, a town called Jersey City. Ah, right. Okay. Uh, but obviously still in New York State, just, just across the uh, uh, river, as you say, isn't it? Well, technically it's in New Jersey, but it's... Uh, oh, really? It's a, it's a, it's, yeah, but it's... Um, it's uh, I it's I would say it's a thousand yards away uh, where New York New York uh, City meets uh, Jersey. There's just the Hudson River is runs in between the two, so uh, it's only about a five minute uh, subway ride. All right. So would you consider yourself a New Yorker or or not really? Yeah, I'm afraid to tell anybody. You don't really want to. Tell, it doesn't have the same allure to tell someone that you're from Jersey as it does that you're from New York. So I usually just will go with New York. Ah, uh, yeah. Fair, fair enough. Yeah. You know what? I I worked with a a guy from New York and he would always when people would refer to him as an American of course you know because um, it's we kind of lump Americans into you know just that's Americans. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he would fair always enough. say he would always say I'm not American I'm a New Yorker and I, I never really a, understood it's, it's why it's a little bit of it I think that there's this there's this really funny billboard that's out that's out that's uh, in New York right now that I that I laughed at the other day and it was for a storage like a storage company or something and it said if you leave Manhattan, you'll have to live in America. And I thought that was, uh, <laughs> I thought that was pretty fun because I think the, you know, New York, New York is really like every single, there's not one country that's probably not represented in, in Manhattan. Right. Um, right. everybody from every part of the world lives in Manhattan and, um, it's very much different than what you might find in like, quote unquote, like, America, like, you know, the, the fat American states where <laughs> it's sort of very, people are very offensive and, you know, maybe, uh, I'm probably going to, if America is listening to me right now, they're probably going to hunt me down, but there's a difference. There's a difference for sure. Right. I look, um, you know, in fact, funny you say that because most of our listeners to this show actually, uh, are from America. So, 
uh, yeah, we'll seem to see what feedback we get from this show. That'll be interesting. Yeah, well, I, I, I take some of that back then. <laughs> Actually, hey, no there's a lot of parts of work that are very great. That are great, but there's a difference between Manhattan because it's a little mm. bit more fast-paced. I think it's, uh, it's just a, it is a little bit different than than the rest of the states. And it's uh, New York City is full of yellow cabs, right? There, there are quite a few yellow cabs. That's for sure. Yep. Are yep. there any and, other uh, cabs? Do, is there like a law that says cabs must be yellow? Um, the ones that can pick you up on the side of the road have to be yellow, but we do have um, like, like uh, I guess I'd say fancier cabs, which are the ones that you call your, you know, to arrange a pickup, and those are usually black. Uh, uh, right. they, up until recently, they had to be like black Lincolns, but now they can be black any car for the most part. But any car that picks you up on the side of the street looks just like it does in the movies. It's like a yellow cab with checkers on the side. And oh, right. It, okay, yeah, so, yeah. so that is true to, true to form. So you can just stick your hand out, wave at the cab, and then they'll, they'll pull and over get and pick ignored. you up. <laughs> yeah, you get ignored. <laughs> yeah, you, you sometimes you get ignored, uh, but usually you just stick your hand out and you uh it's it's that's it's uh just as you say, it's that's how it's done, yeah. <laughs> now, I, I tell you what, the reason we've got you on the show is I'm sure you know, but for our listeners, the reason we've got you on the show is because you're the guy behind the real-time traffic frogger game that you you built. And uh, you know, when I read the story, I thought this is the totally the coolest thing ever and if i if only i could get to new york city i'd be on i'd be queuing up to play that game can you just give us a talk through what it is for the for the benefit of our listeners who perhaps haven't heard the story before yeah sure um it's pretty it's actually very simple um uh, I just, you know, I took a, a old school Frogger game from the 80s, you know, the same one that George Costanza from Seinfeld was like pushing across the street in that famous episode of Seinfeld. Um, I just, I got a Frogger game and I, I wanted to change really what the, the impetus of it was is that I wanted to see if I could take something that's sort of had a, um, a history of, you know, or had a lot of nostalgia, a game that people really liked and, if, and, it, and it sort of become irrelevant over time. Because a lot of the games and, um, and you know through advances of technology have sort of changed it to some extent. So I wanted to see if I could add some small little piece of technology and um, see if I can you know make it relevant again. So you took this webcam. You've got it what mounted on the top of a building, right? Is that looking down on the it's street? Actually, well, it's actually um, in uh, one of my uh, colleagues was uh, was nice enough to let, lend me his office because his office is. Uh, looks over fifth avenue so i just basically took a web camera stuck it in his window that overlooks fifth avenue and the web camera basically just has this view of of the traffic driving down the street and what we did is we wrote motion tracking software so the the, the feed the live webcam feed goes into a uh, a computer that was installed inside of the old cabinet from the frogger game and the um the software looks at the live stream feed and then it analyzes the car traffic and then takes the data of the live cars that are driving down the street and applies the, the data coming from the live uh, cars to the old school game graphics. So when you take your frog and you go across the street, the cars that are in the old school game are actually mirroring the real positions of real cars that are driving down the street. Wow, and that's a, a lot safer than actually trying to cross the road yourself, for real. It's much, <laughs> much safer. It's much. It's not as exciting, but it's much safer. <laughs> so where's the cabinet? Just just down on the street, is it, or in an arcade nearby? No, it's, it's, on, it's on the 16th floor of my of uh, in, in in our office. So it has a very good aerial view of uh, Fifth Avenue. The, the the arcade itself. Oh the. Though the actual, well, 
in the video, uh, I'm not sure if you, if you could post a link or something, but in that video, um, just for fun, I took it down to the street one day, uh, actually one night, just for a few hours to let people play it. And I, I put it on the actual part of Fifth Avenue where the camera is um, looking at the street. So it was sort of this funny experience where you, the car that passed in front of you, well, you, you know, I had the game on the sidewalk and the car that passed in front of the game you could see that car in the uh, in the Frogger game, and then you could see the actual little you know the little graphic car mirroring the real car that was pa that was passing right in front ah, of right. you. Ah, right. Okay. That's right. Yes. Nice. So it was really fun. It was very cool, but but it does not live uh, on the street at all. I, I think if I left it out there for more than uh, a couple hours, it probably wouldn't be there anymore. So ah, right. Yeah. Right. Most of the time, it just is in my office with me. Did you charge people, you know, a quarter or something to play the game? No, no, I did. I, I uh, it was pretty much for free. There was a guy who thought it'd be funny to try to put a quarter in there. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it really go. It just sort of falls into the machine. <laughs> so uh, you don't need. It. I didn't. I didn't charge anybody. It was. Uh, it was just for the. It was just for just for the fun of it. Oh, good. So good did you have like uh, people queuing up to play it? Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was really funny because I mean, it's kind of a. It's. It's kind of a scene to watch me like, you know, drag. Like I had this on like this this little truck cart or uh hand truck and you know the uh I'm, I'm pushing this full-size arcade game down the sidewalk and normally in new york city like you could practically be dressed in a chicken suit and no one would really look at you they, they sort of <laughs> anything could really is like is, is passes but you, you know everyone sort of has this nostalgic feel about frogger so i got a lot of reactions just pushing it down the street but then when i set it up and the marquee lit up because I created a customized marquee that says Fifth Avenue Frogger, and I had dragged out this gas generator to turn so that it gave it power, and we had some wireless internet hooked up. And as soon as we turned it on, I kind of just left it there and backed away, although I did have an eye on it. But people just came up and started playing it right away, and, and you know, it's pretty intuitive because I didn't change much of the game. You know, I didn't feel like I needed to. I think that what people originally did with Frogger was like that's the sort of the uh, – the best, uh, the best version it could be. And so I just really wanted to change a very small amount of it. And when just recently, when people have been asking me, like, you know, like, like, um, why do you think that, you know, everyone liked it so much? And I, I think it's the, you know, when I think about what I thought about, it, I think it's just the same thing as like when, you know, a DJ sort of remixes a, a, a song that everybody likes, like, they didn't really create a new song. They just let people reimagine, you know, to this re people experience that song in a new way. Yeah. And I think it's similar to what I did is that I really can't take a lot of credit for why people like Frogger. People really like Frogger. I just, I just made it so that you could experience it again in a new way. Well, you certainly added a, a whole new dimension to it. That's for sure. And I, I think that's a powerful sort of a combination that nostalgia and discovery all mixed in together. Yeah, you know, and, and I think that what every day of uh, that I go to work, which is really usually seven days a week, because uh, I, I really just love, I really like what I do. Um, my job is just to come up with ideas, and uh, so I live and breathe ideas all day, every day. And and over the years, I've sort of kind of figured out a pattern about what makes a good idea. And there's always exceptions, but I think that this has all the. And I always say there's three things that make up a good idea. What I'm telling you know my. Um, the art directors or writers that work for me or I, I teach, uh, I actually teach advertising too, is I say, the first thing is simplicity. Like it has to be crazy, crazy simple. Like no one has time to figure out, you know, what you're doing. So 
first is simplicity. And then the second thing is um, you have to have uh, context. I think that Frogger has tons of context. Like people know what Frogger is. The, th uh, the third thing in advertising, I would say, is it has to have some element of truth. Um, Frogger doesn't have a, I mean, the, Frogger is what it is. So there's not a lot of truth. That, that, that one doesn't enter into it as much. But I think that between context and simplicity is two pretty big ingredients of why people respond to it so well. And I would say the nostalgic factor is probably the other one. But I think that like a lot of games that come, that come out now, and I don't know, a lot, I'm not a gamer, I don't know a lot, of thing, a lot of stuff about games, but a lot of them are pretty complex. There's a pretty big learning curve. And when you see some games like Angry Birds or some of these other games that had the same simplicity as something like Frogger did is that you don't even need instructions. You just boot it up and you pretty much know what to do. Yeah. And I think that people, yeah. people like that, you know, at least the masses like that. And that's yeah. what I was trying to appeal with, with Frogger was like, you know, broad reach, like, you know, having most amount of people like your game. I mean, um, so. you, you're right. I mean, Frogger is one of those games that, that anyone who's who's lived through the 80s and possibly even into the early 90s even has at least heard of it, if not played it. You know, Frogger, Pac-Man, Pong, all those sorts of games, you know, they were big, you know, everyone knew them. And as you say, they're familiar with them. So they just get in front of this arcade and go for it. The, the thing I, I really like is the realism that's added by the real traffic. There are two things that I would want to do right now if I really could in New York City. One is head over to New York City and and play that arcade if I could. <laughs> the other one is to drive a car up and down Fifth Avenue while someone else is playing the game. Yeah, that, you know what? I haven't thought about that. That's that's actually pretty funny. That would... Uh, It'd be it, funny it would, if I could does, see... If you could also see a, a video representation of the game whilst you're driving, which I, could be a bit right, dangerous. You probably, <laughs> probably end up on the side of the road pretty quickly. But I, <laughs> it is this really funny thing. I, mean, I think that there is something with... I was, really, I, I was trying to explore the dynamics that change when you add, when there's an element of the game that you can't affect, that's not programmed. For instance, you know, it's like, there's no way that the, 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 the experience is not predetermined. The experience changes based on just like, you know, not natural traffic patterns. So there's something interesting about a game that ex the experience changes based on real world events that you don't have control over. Um, and I think that Frogger is just a very simplistic um, representation of that. But I think that you could probably go much, much further with that kind of concept that would create some very interesting gaming experiences. Absolutely. How long, how long has this been in the making, roughly? Um, Six months, well, you a know, year? Wouldn't it was about eight months, but I, I, I got to say it was not full time. Like I said, you right. know, this thing it was sort of a, you know, chance we, you know, anytime we had a second to, uh, to work on it, we did. And the, 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 what took the most amount of time was probably developing the motion tracking software, which, you know, I would not say is perfect by any means, you know, depending on like the weather or the amount of glare or, you know, if it's pouring rain, it, it, can, it can vary, um, you know, going from about 90% accuracy to down to about, you know, 40% accuracy. Right. Um, and because of the, uh, the amount of attention that it's got. I've actually, I'm actually, I got somebody else who's working on really, really make honing the, uh, um, the motion tracking on it. So that, uh, it, it's, it lives in that 90, 90%. Yeah, so there'll uh, be a vision too. There's going to be a vision too, is what you're saying. 
I think it's just finishing. I think it's I think it's refining version one. (laughs) (laughs) Making it a release candidate. It's like (laughs) kind of being okay with a B plus, and then I'm like, then everyone stares at it. You're like, I should probably make this an A. An A, right? Okay, no, fair enough, fair enough. And um, just before we go, it is uh, of course um, important to to remember that it is more or less the. 30th anniversary of Frogger, isn't it? So it's kind of timely yeah, that you've done I, this. I think when I started it, it was the 30th anniversary. Ah, uh, okay. So <laughs> where I'm at right now, I think he's in his 31st year, but more or less is the 30th anniversary, yeah. And I understand that uh, you're hoping to uh, have it featured in the Art and Video Games exhibit in the Smithsonian American Art Museum. Is that correct? Well, yeah, it is correct. We, You know, I thought that'd be a lot of fun to have a goal, you know, like where are we going to put this thing? Because, yeah. you know, it's a shame it just sits in my office. Yeah. We we did get a sort of a semi-official uh, response from the museum, which was a, you know, they, they, there's no real place for it, which was a little sad. But what I thought was really was really fun and, and sort of was a, a surprise, and I, I sort of kind of like uh, evilly enjoyed it, was um, all, so many people went on the um, Smithsonian's American Art Museum's Facebook page and, was like, and said, you know, we want Frogger, we want Frogger. Oh, and, okay, that can be powerful, like, yeah. There Absolutely. was like 300 comments and it was so funny because the museum had to like officially respond and be like, uh, you know, uh, you know, Frogger, Fifth Avenue Frogger fans, you know, I'm sorry, but like if you saw the exhibit, you'd see that it can't fit in here. But you know what I think was a, a bigger thing that they may be missing out on and I wish they sort of thought about it differently and, you know, even just, just said, you know, why don't you bring it down for a weekend was the, um, I don't think that that museum has ever gotten this much free advertising. And they could extend, you know, they could, they could, they could extend it themselves. Leverage it, yeah. It. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It has got almost like 250,000 views, millions and millions of impressions with all the people who have written about it on the big, on the most influential blogs on the web. And every single one of those mentioned their museum where, you know, you know, I mean, my life is advertising, so I can see the, uh, the value of what they're getting, but you know, they could, they could keep it going if, if they want to, um, and, uh, you know, but, but it, it's really not a, I really, the whole point of this really was just to create something that was really fun that some people could enjoy that saw it. And, and, and it's, I'm not going to get too down if it doesn't happen. The thing I would think would be the best if it did go to the museum would be to go home and tell my mother that I have an exhibit in the Smithsonian Art Museum. That would be cool. That would be, that, that would be awesome to be able to say that. <laughs> One last question before we let you go is, um, have you ever considered making this internet connectable so that people can play this, say, via Flash or something? You know, I have. And um, the only the thing that's stopping right now is really the cost of the uh, uh, the live feed. Because believe it or not, if the, if a ton of people were accessing the live stream, the uh, my band my bandwidth uh, my uh, my bill would probably be go out of out of control. Well, would that still uh, be the case if you if they were only accessing a version of so not not the actual camera feed, but if you turn the camera feed into data and then that gets streamed out, would would that work? Would that be any? Um, if li- someone is if someone's more technical than I am that knows how to do that, then I would uh, anybody you know if it. I'm open to anything. So if there was a way to do it that wouldn't cost money, then I wouldn't see why we wouldn't do it unless Konomi wanted to sue me for like creating their... You know, oh yeah, I'm that's a point. I hadn't thought of that. It's just like, you are not licensed to be doing any of this. Yeah, actually, that's a, that's a yeah. very good point, actually. That that might be yeah. the deciding factor. That's I mean, no, the, don't get me wrong. I, point. Yeah, yeah, it might be. Don't get me wrong. I think this is fantastic the way it is. It's just that uh, I probably, in all reality, won't be able to get to New York City, but I really want to play this. So I'm thinking, yeah. you know, how could we make this work? 
Nick. <laughs> I know. I, I'm open. I'm open to any suggestions. And I'm also, you know, I'm. I kind of had so much fun uh, creating this that I, you know, I have a few more plans of um, of of hacking. Uh, you know, hacking or, or, or remixing uh, um, a few more uh, arcade games in the near future. So Ooh, maybe uh, excellent. if awesome. I can get enough of them, we can we can put we can have travel around. Excellent. Look, we'll keep an eye out for that. I'll put also a link to the video in our show notes as well, so our, our listeners can uh, can check that out. Look, Tyler, I want to thank you very much for joining us on the show. It's been our thank pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, you're yeah. most welcome. And look, best Absolutely. of luck with uh, with any new developments on that. Uh, I'll definitely be uh, keeping an, an ear out for, for what happens uh, for your future projects, that's for sure. Thanks very much. All right, you're most welcome. Thank you, Tyler. And if oh, by the way, if people want to get hold of you, have you got a website or something you want to put across? Yeah, sure. That'd be great. My only website is a website that has all sorts of work that I've done. And uh, also you can use a contact page on there. It's uh, tylerdangelo.me and it's um, T-Y-L-E-R. D E A N G E L O dot me. Dot me. Okay, excellent. Thank you very much, Tyler, and all the very best. Thanks very much. Wow, what do you reckon about that, Alec? I think that's just the coolest thing I've heard this week. It it's is, awesome. Isn't it? He, he seems reasonably modest about the whole thing. I'm, I'm yeah. thinking this is totally cool. Yeah. You know, now something else that is uh, kind of along the same lines is the MIT building. Now, the MIT building has has a nice sort of grid-shaped pattern, you know, windows in, in nice, even places, as well, like most buildings, really. Uh, and most multi-story buildings, I should say. And, 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 and a bit of a history of this sort of thing going on as well, but I think definitely this is the coolest thing that's ever happened to the building. Yeah, and that is turning it into a giant Tetris game. Yeah, yeah. this now, is now they, awesome. they did attempt this, didn't they, before? Yeah, and it failed. It failed, it did. And now they've got it going, it's actually working, and there's a video, and again, we'll put a, a link in our show notes, so if you want to check out those videos, both of the uh, Frogger game and this MIT Tetris game, just go to our website, boysoftech.com, there'll be a link there in the show notes. Now, so this game is, I mean, we know, you know, it's uh, self-explanatory, you know, it's, it's basically, you know, different lights in the, in the windows that form the shapes, and you're actually, you know, controlling these virtual shapes, which, yep, so which are made up by lights. so you can rotate them and drop them and... Just like Everything. a real game. So, yeah, exactly. Just like the real game. And um, it's just you're standing outside of the building, looking up at the building, at the grid of windows, and controlling it. It's just awesome. You know what? Maybe I could kill two birds with one stone. Maybe I should go to the States and play this Frogger game and then play the uh, the Tetris game. Absolutely. Do it while they're both still operational. Yeah, exactly. Except the MIT building, where is that? I'm trying to figure that out. That's a, I'm, I'm guessing in, in Massachusetts, right? In yeah. Boston, is it? Wonder how far that is from New York. Hopefully not too far. I think it's on the same coast. So east coast, yeah. Right. So that's kind of cool. Uh, I don't know. That there's much more to say about that. Although what they have done is they've actually got different levels, haven't they? Because the first level is fairly straightforward. The second level apparently uses paler colours, so it's harder to see. And yeah, and shapes that actually change themselves and rotate themselves or something it's worth watching the video I, i'm not going to do it justice by describing it so why don't you go to our website boysatech.com and click the link to view the video absolutely all right now trend micro has released a report of the top vulnerabilities by manufacturer or software maker yeah. top self-reported vulnerabilities well yeah that's a very important keyword distinction really, isn't it? yeah yeah distinction yeah that's right so who came out on top there al um, I believe Apple is winning that race at the moment. Oh, winning or losing? <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. Apple with 91 
vulnerabilities in well what is this for is that for the the first three months i think first quarter of 2012 yeah, exactly so january february march is that high i don't know it's best to talk about this in context of the others i so, so if we look at the, the second and third place, we've got Oracle at 78 vulnerabilities and Google at 73. Yeah, and that's across all properties as well with, within those respective companies. So Right, so, so you could, I, I guess what you're saying is, you know, Apple, Oracle and Google both, or all three of them actually have a reasonably wide-ranging portfolio. Yeah. Microsoft, though, who arguably have a larger portfolio, are down at 43. Indeed. I think that's that's just a testament to how long Microsoft have been sort of working toward shoring up their their systems and with the trusted computing initiative and all of that sort of stuff. And maybe it was just a lucky quarter for them. Who knows? I think there is something though to be said. You know, as you mentioned about the you know Microsoft is sort of more mature in that space. They've gone through a lot of pain. Apple's going through the same pain now that Microsoft went through some years ago. Exactly. And that's entirely because of growth and the, the size of market share. Exactly. Apple is now a bigger, bigger target and the vulnerabilities are starting to actually get targeted. And I think, you know, let's be honest, I think there's a certain amount of reactivity as opposed to proactivity on the part of these software makers because these numbers just show it for a start, you know, that you know, Apple's at 91. They didn't need to secure their, well, they, I'm sure they went to a certain length, but they didn't need to sort of go overboard to secure their systems because it wasn't a target at the time. So it was exactly. like, well, unless someone yeah. finds stuff, well, we think our stuff's good to go. Now, of course, you know, because they're a bigger target, more people are trying and Apple now are going to have to react to that and close those loopholes. Yeah, and be, and be very sort of proactive in patching. Yeah, and that, yeah. actually, yes, it's been like, the, what was the example a couple of weeks ago? Was it the... Uh, it, it was the uh, flashback trading. Flashback, that's with, the one. Yeah, could, yeah, like not patching it for two months after Oracle actually uh, patched Java. Exactly. So they're going to have to up their game on that for sure. So just yeah. reading through the list, Apple 91, Oracle 78, Google 73. Big jump down to Microsoft at 43, IBM close behind on 42. And then further down the list, we've got Cisco at 36 and Mozilla at 30. Indeed. It actually so, kind of worries me though, Cisco, because they're kind of like... Routers. Kind of a, yes, and, exactly. Yeah, Very yeah. important bits. The so, backbone of the internet. Yeah, pretty much. So Yeah. I think something else to point out is... These numbers are for for um, vulnerabilities that, that have actually been patched in the last three months, I think. So there's no mention of how long these, uh, no metrics on how, how long these vulnerabilities have actually been in those respective products. Nor the how big the impact has been yeah. either. Because- and, and no mention of how long the company's actually known about them. And sat on them and done nothing. That's right. So yeah. So this, you know, you can read what you want to in that. It, it, it obviously doesn't give you the full story, but yeah, it, it, it gives you an that, indication. That point I, I was trying to make is this list is really of sort of questionable value. Yes, it is from, from right. a metrics perspective. But hey, it makes Trend Micro look good because they're reporting figures, and that's always a good Absolutely. thing. Absolutely, and sort of driving business for for themselves. Yes. Come on, all you Apple users. <laughs> Get Trend Micro, protect yourself. That's right. That's exactly what it's about, isn't it? All right. Uh, looking also at numbers on spam, junk emails, India has been the leading country for sending spam. Indeed. So India have overtaken the USA 
India now have just under 10% of, of, uh, of, of the market for, for spam now. That's a huge uh, amount. It is, it is. And they've basically captured this in under a year. So the they're, the they've are... really sort of leapt into the forefront of uh, zombie networks for botnets. The thing to remember, of course, is that India has a huge population. Massive. Uh, Closing in on a billion, I think. Yeah. Uh, second, you know, biggest population in, in the world. Second like, only to China. That's right. Second only to China. So in a way, uh, you know, and also the other thing to remember with India is that, you know, they're going through this a uh, huge, uh, what's the word? There's a huge uptake of internet there. It's just, you know, the the pen- internet penetration there is just growing at a rapid rate. Absolutely. So, you know, just that alone, you'd kind of expect that India would be at least be up there, same as China, um, yeah, in any, and, any country with, with a large population, with, with a growing internet population as well. But I, I think it's also about um, sort of education as well for a lot of these first-time users of the internet is they're not educated in avoiding the malware sites and not opening certain types of email and that sort of stuff. So they're falling victim to the high-profile cyber criminals that are then hijacking their systems and basically enslaving them to their bot networks. And it's just about education that they don't know any better. And it's not just India, it's any new user, whether they're in uh, Australia or London or Africa or wherever, it doesn't matter. I think we need some education on what to do. Yeah, and what to, not to do. that's very true. And in fact, you know, I think this kind of goes back to, you know, I can hear Brett's voice in my head saying that, you know, it's the people that are the, the weakest link in this whole thing. Absolutely. And because right, they're the ones it? leaving the door open because they're not protecting themselves with antivirus or they're clicking on links they shouldn't. That's right. Yep. So I guess that, you know, that will come with time, but uh, that probably goes some way to explaining why India is suddenly up there. But anyway, so I thought that was kind of interesting. The last story I wanted to cover this week was just having a look at some different cloud storage options. And, and there are so many out there now. I know, I know. And, and the ones I, I want to sort of look at are Apple iCloud, Box.net, Dropbox, Google Drive and the Microsoft SkyDrive. Now, what is interesting is just in a, as a quick summary, you'd think that something like iCloud and perhaps depending on which way you, you sort of look at Microsoft, may, uh, maybe them as well, would be, I guess, the most, uh, the most supported on, mo- on different platforms. It turns out that those two are least compatible with the different operating systems out there. Isn't that surprising? Yeah. Like you take, for instance, I'll give you an example. So take Apple iCloud. You can access it through the web. It isn't available on Android. It is not available on BlackBerry. Uh, it's not available on Linux. Limited access on Windows and certainly not on Windows Phone at all. So the only places where you can, apart from the web, is uh, on an iOS device or a Mac device. Yeah. Whereas in contrast, Dropbox is available on not only through, the, through a standard web connection, but also it's got an Android client, a BlackBerry client, an iOS client, a Linux client, a Mac client, and a Windows client. Yeah. So interestingly, Dropbox are the only ones on uh, Linux in this list. Yes, correct, actually. Um, That's right. So uh, from that perspective, Google Drive and Microsoft SkyDrive are um, are sort of equivalent in their support of other people's platforms. So 
Well, uh, so, yeah, so apart from at BlackBerry, the moment, Microsoft doesn't support Android. No, but Google doesn't support Windows Phone. Neither of them oh, support Linux, and neither of them support BlackBerry. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, that's that's right. Actually, yeah, they don't support each other's phone, which is quite interesting. Yeah, but Microsoft is actually working on an Android, an Android app for for SkyDrive. Oh, are they? So that that, yeah. that will obviously change. Yeah, change the game. Exactly. So. And from a price perspective, you can't beat SkyDrive at the moment. Yeah, it is. It is by far yeah. the cheapest. Yeah, if you if you've got f- fifty gig, for example, it cost you a little over uh, two dollars. This is these are US pricing, by the way. Yeah, a little over two dollars. The most expensive is boxed on it. For fifty gigs, it'll cost you twenty bucks. Yeah, and when when you look at that, it's uh, ouch. Yeah, and Dropbox is somewhere in the middle. It's uh, yeah. ten dollars, which is actually actually that's getting up there, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and. Apple isn't that much cheaper either. No, they come in at $8.33 for 50 yeah. gig. Yeah. And most of them offer around about 5 gigs free. Yeah. Dropbox is the uh, losing that battle at only 2 gigs for free. But then Microsoft um, SkyDrive come in at a little bit more, don't they? They trump them with 7 gig. Well, and interestingly, they actually started at 25 gig and they've just wound that back. Oh, is that right? Yeah. (laughs) All right. So if Uh, listeners, if you currently have a, uh, a SkyDrive account because you've got an active live.com account or whatever, then log into SkyDrive and quickly opt in to the, uh, to the upgrade back to 25 gig. Oh, so you can do that? Yeah. I did that yesterday. Ah, interesting. Didn't know you could do that. Yeah, so they basically wound everyone back to to seven, but left the door open for existing customers to basically opt back in for the free twenty five. Oh, that's a handy piece of information. There you go. So if you're a a SkyDrive user, you might want to follow follow that advice. And pretty much everyone that is going to be using Windows eight is going to be a, a SkyDrive user at some point. Because oh, it's be so bundled, tightly it? bound into the operating system. Interestingly enough, with Windows 8, you can actually sign into Windows 8 using your uh, your Live.com account, and then when you do that, all of your computer settings, like installed apps and um, how you like your desktop and your theme and all of that sort of stuff, is synced with the cloud. So when you log into a different Windows 8 computer, all right, it all looks identical it's your your system that's kind of cool but yeah. pre- presumably you're not forced to the uh, to, uh onto the paid plans right you you start no. off with a free plan exactly exactly right but if you want to upgrade you, you can yep, yep. pay, pay and, some and money. you start with seven gig even if you're signing up for a brand new skydrive account right now you start with seven gig and that's more than enough to store your settings for your computer now that's just like th- configuration stuff yeah, yeah, which what yeah, that doesn't take a lot. No. Now, interestingly, only in this list of 5 that we've covered, uh Box and Dropbox are the only two to support BlackBerry, but you know what? I mean, I'd be inclined to cross BlackBerry off the list. I mean, who uses that these days? Very uh, and 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 What's the, the, market the share list. Uh, their market share is shrinking every day. It is, isn't it? Yeah. So, I think within the next sort of 12 to 18 months, they're going to be a non-entity. And also ran yeah. Really, what this boils down to is you need to really think about how much space you're wanting to use, whether you're going to go onto the free storage at you know between 2 and 7 gig, depending on your, your choice, or whether you need more and you need to pay for it. But also, what sort of platforms do you want it supported on? 
you know, what, what devices do you use? And, and that exactly. will help you make the decision. Apple iCloud and to a, a lesser extent, uh, Google and Microsoft aren't all that cross-platform friendly, but uh, really Apple is, is the least. Yeah, and Microsoft are, are, are really moving toward being on every platform. That's their goal. And I think that's a very wise move. Yeah. Uh, I think they've um, they've got that right. That's one thing that they've done right and one thing that Apple needs to learn, I think. All right, look, uh, Al, thank you very much for uh, joining me on the panel this week. I think that's pretty much episode 164 wrapped up. Excellent. No, it's been another fun chat. It has indeed, and uh, I certainly. It was, a, it was a great chat with uh, with Tyler. Totally, yeah. I, I really enjoyed that. It was. Um, I think he's created something absolutely fantastic there, and I just only wish, as I said before, that I could actually go to New York City and play this thing. And more people need to sort of indulge their sort of hacker, maker, creator spirit. Yes, and and, and totally. do fun fun little projects, not to make other people happy, but just to sort of let yourself grow. Exactly, and, and you know, it's these projects that have the cool factor. That make it so much more interesting. Absolutely. Other than corporate sort of like attempts at, at sort of viral stuff. Yeah, that's not the same, is it? And often backfires. Yeah, exactly. There are very few that get that right. All right, look, Al, that's pretty much it. Thank you very much once again. I know, that's quite all right, quite all right. All right, and we'll do it all again next week. Until then, take care, everyone. Goodbye, have a great week. Bye-bye. <laughs>